Welcome to the Coast Down Podcast, presented by Pratt Miller. Pratt Miller, transforming what's possible. Welcome, everybody, to the Coast Down Podcast. It's Luke Sager here with Brad Zimmerman. Today, we have our second guest ever. Big day. Super exciting. Mike Arning, co-founder, True Speed Communications, also known locally as Neighbor Mike. <laughs> so, that is true. We are neighbors. Yeah, Neighbor Mike. So so in this office, I refer to Neighbor Mike a lot. <laughs> is so that good or bad? It's it's all the advice you've, you've given me. I, it's, I say it's from Neighbor Mike. So, so some good, right? <laughs> Has he talked about my, my crisis PR plan? No, uh, I, I am a big fan of crisis PR plans because that's one thing a lot of people just do not think about at all. Well, I say it only half jokingly because mine is in like size 72 font. The first page is shut up. The second page is stop texting. The third page is stop posting. And then the last page is shut up. That's right. That's right. That sounds about right. Well, that's a good intro. Um, so so Mike Arning has been a advisor, uh, behind-the-scenes advisor to Pratt Miller Motorsports for, I don't know, a good year now maybe. Uh, and you're originally from Massachusetts? I am, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a Tom Cotter graduate. I am. I was an intern at Cotter Communication in the summer of 96. Wow. My, uh, I guess, in between junior and senior year in college yep. over at Lenore Rhine. That is quite a family tree it that is. Cotter has produced. <laughs> it really is. It, it, honestly, it was, it was a great place to be. Yeah, and he's a really good dude. The, he, had, he, had, he was a good dude. He has great people there. And also, like, if you took initiative and raised your hand at opportunities, you got a chance to do some cool stuff. I remember he walked around the corner, he was like, all right, who wants to write a press release about the uh, SVRA? And me and the other two kind of looked at each other and went, I'll do it. Yeah. So it went through the Mel Pool uh, redlined oh, wow. effort. It looked like a bloodbath. But <laughs> honestly, those lessons that I learned that summer of 96, uh -huh. like I carry with me to this day about getting yep. it right, like being try to do more with less and be efficient and be creative to get people to care yep. and nowadays not hit delete yep. on the thing. And you are a first generation professional motorsports person, correct? I guess so. You know, I, I've always been involved with cars. I've always liked racing. Yep. Dad was a stick and ball person. Nobody ever like shut it down, but you know, I grew up, the Indy 500 was on tape delay. I remember having to stay up wow. late yep. to watch it. Wow. Um, and that's what I did. Yeah, I would watch, you know, the Winston 500 from Talladega in between cliff diving and, and yeah. you know, figure ska skating on yeah. ABC Wild World of Sports. Yeah. So oh, I do wow. remember all that. Wow. So uh, as usual, Brad can't resist and no. jump it in and going off script <laughs> and all these things when right. I have a, when I have a master plan. <clears throat> Sorry, Luke, go ahead. Take it no, away. I'm just, just totally screwed. <laughs> so, yeah, so typically uh, Mike will come in, we'll talk about, uh, F1 all, and, and all the different races that went on. Not a lot went on this weekend. Uh, Abu Dhabi wrapped up. Um, some guy named Max won. I never heard yeah, of him before. Yeah, an up-and-coming guy. I think if he sticks with this F1 thing, he might a make a career out of yeah, it. He, yeah, he could have a good future yeah. ahead. Um, big story there, I guess, is uh, uh, Mercedes captured second in uh, constructors. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it was it was a close battle with Ferrari, um, but in the end of the day, Mercedes got it, um, and that was kind of it. So all seasons of mo- major motorsports are finally over. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was. It gets, like, towards the end, it gets to be a lot. A lot. It does, and I would say <clears throat> it's not quite over because we yeah. work with some younger drivers on the grassroots side. Yep. They just had the Thanksgiving Classic at Southern National yeah, this past right. Sunday. We have the Snowball Derby yep. coming up at Five Flags. Like, it's – Do you have anybody, no- chi- <laughs> anybody at Chili Bowl or – so let's see sort of like chase briscoe will run chili bowl yeah um hopefully some of the people that we're talking to about potentially doing some work with next year you know they yep. they do in fact become clients but we'll see yep so good yeah so racing's over now we can relax kind of uh sports car for us is heating up mm-hmm. already like crazy uh test not this weekend but next down in daytona brad's yep. going down there to yep. take all kinds of video and interviews and whatever Anyway, so we're kind of slowing down off-season in terms of our podcasting and kind of refocusing on bringing in cool people like you to just shoot the shit with, <laughs> not necessarily talk too much about racing specifically on the weekends, but just kind of talk to you and learn about you and what you got going on. Um, so as Brad said, you know, first uh, from Massachusetts, mm-hmm. um, got, got involved in racing from the PR side. Uh, now you uh, co-founded True Speed Communication with Tony Stewart. Uh, what year was that? So we just celebrated our 20th year. Wow, wow. 20 wow. years, mm-hmm. 20 years. So NPR managing drivers, trying to make them say the right thing, not the wrong thing, get them to the right places, teach them how to behave, all the press releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that's that's a lot. And so what 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 is kind of like the elevator pitch of what True Speed Communications does in in total? Sure. We uh, manage, direct, facilitate, create media campaigns, public relation initiatives, social media campaigns. We also do reputation management. So I, I joke, again, it's, it's half-jokingly when someone screws up, you know, and everyone's yep. got, you know, they're wringing their hands and everything. I'm like, you know what I call that? Job security. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, because it's, it happens, and, and honestly, in, in this day and age, it's pretty easy to happen because ev- everybody is a journalist. They all have their phone. that yep. all has audio and video and everything you want on it. It is very easy to stub your toe and yep. have to figure out a, a way out. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. Yeah. So, so there's been some fun things you've been working on lately mm-hmm. that I think would be kind of fun to talk yeah. about. So the first one since, you know, the F1 season just wrapped up, um, long freaking season, so you, uh, a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, were really involved with Haas F1 and, and doing on the PR on that. So I'm interested to hear from you, what's it like to do the whole F1 season? That's all around the world. Um, and, you know, Brad's super curious to know if, if, if they're doing anything in, in F1 PR related or, uh, you know, activation sponsorship related that you think is, is different and better than what's, what's going on over here. So it was a great opportunity. And honestly, I think my experience is probably a bit dated now because mm-hmm. when I started doing it, I literally, I remember writing the, the statement attributed to Gene Haas when, when he had filed the uh, uh, letter of intent of interest, I think oh, it's wow. what it's called. So that yep. was probably late 2014, yep. I maybe I started working 13, on that yeah. stuff. So, you know, and started going to a handful of races in 15, 
Um, and then the inaugural season was, was 16. And so I didn't do the full schedule because I was still, I was essentially having two jobs. I was the Head of communication for Haas F1 teams. Just just two jobs, Mike? Just two. <laughs> Head on. of communication for Haas <laughs> F1 team. What a Setting it all up, hiring personnel. But I was still the director of communication for Stuart Haas Racing. So if I wasn't physically at an F1 race, then I was physically at a NASCAR race. Yep. And there were times where just to make sure I wasn't totally losing my mind and also losing place of where I was on yep. the earth, I would handle some F1 races remotely. So I did about half the F1 schedule. And like I said, I was still probably doing somewhere in the teens, 15, 16 NASCAR yeah. races physically uh, on site. And but I guess prior to uh, Stuart Haas, you were Joe Gibbs as well? Yeah, I spent yep. nine years with Joe Gibbs oh, Racing, wow. handling okay. all things for Home Depot and Tony Stewart. <clears throat> but um, as things changed over there, uh, some people left, and I became sort of the quasi-director of communication at Joe Gibbs Racing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our longest tenure clients at True Speed Communication and his interstate batteries, we've been working with them since... Since the earth cooled. Honestly, yeah. It, it, <laughs> right. It's been a long, long time. So right. had a great rapport there, and before that it was a year at Andy Petrie Racing and oh, then yeah. two years at Filmar Racing, oh, wow. Square D with yeah. Kenny Wallace. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. So I'll, You're really I'll, dating yourself. I know. Yeah. I, I stopped at Ben-Hur. So. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. There's plenty yeah. of gray here at this yeah. side, too. <laughs> yeah, wow. That, that, that's, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, but that's but the F1 stuff, it was, you know, I can, it was one of those deals where it was a great opportunity to get outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And it's not every day where there's a new F1 team, period. Yeah. It's not every day there's a new American F1 team. Like, mm. Jeans is the first one in 30 years. Yeah. And it's certainly not every day when that F1 team is literally in the next parking lot over where you're spending a lot of time at Stuart Haas Racing. So yeah. when the opportunity came about and said, Mike, do you want to do this? I said, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then it was sort of like you're like the dog who chased the car and caught it. And you're like, whoa, because you, you, yeah. you put F1 up on this huge yep. pedestal. And you're like, oh, man. I think I can do this, but now I got to go do it. Yeah. Um, and I remember going overseas, you know, outside of going to Canada, I really hadn't done much yep. traveling outside of the continental United States. Yep. So I remember going to the first preseason test in, at Haref, um, you know, and, and again, thankfully, just as an observer, just to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a lot to figure out. But fast forward to our third race of our inaugural season I'm walking out of the paddock after the checkered flag drops we've done everything sent everything out at uh, at the Chinese GP and I kind of had this epiphany it was because things are so sort of um, regimented back then we didn't have sprint races but Thursday was your sort of engineer media day Friday, you had two 90-minute practice sessions. Mm-hmm. Saturday, you had a 60-minute practice session, and then a qualifying session. Sunday, you had the race. And that was it. So um, it didn't matter where you were in the world. It didn't matter what country you were in, what the language was in that country. You walked into that paddock. English was the language. Garages are on this side. Hospitality is on this side. The schedule is the schedule. The drivers don't have motor coaches to go to. Everything was very nice and tidy. And yeah, so yeah. from there, it became just kind of easy Got because it. you you knew what was coming. So the learning curve became nowhere near as steep, and you were able to really, once it, it didn't take long to figure out. Got it. 
Oh, that's nice. So mm-hmm. as a PR person, what is it like working with Gunther, Gunther Steiner? He, he is every bit the personality that you see on Drive to Survive. <laughs> um, Does that make you nervous? No. You know, where we were with Haas F1 team, we were definitely the new kids on the block. And like going back to Drive to Survive, I thought it was awesome that Mercedes and Ferrari said, nah, yeah, we don't want to do, do it. this. Yeah. I'm like, sweet, more pie for <laughs> yeah, us. Exactly. Our default answer was yes. Mm-hmm. What do you want? Yes, we'll do it. Yep. You want? Yeah, come on. You, you want to follow someone wherever? They, yes, we'll we'll do it. And I think there was a lot of Haas F1 team that inaugural season. That's right. Oh yeah, a, there was Huge. a lot of Gunther Steiner, and yeah, it kind of stayed that it way did. because of that inaugural I, season. I would argue right. he totally set the hook for that whole show. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah, it was it was cool to be a part of, and it that experience has helped me a lot on the nascar side when we had the uh you know the usa docuseries last year mm-hmm. um that led it was sort of like the 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 ground of of what we were doing this year with with netflix having those yep. experiences were massively helpful because i knew what was coming before it was even asked for you could kind of think about and then you know pitch a driver or a story angle because you've you've been there and seen it so yep. hey i think they might be interested in this it just made you a little bit more ahead of the curve right I felt like. right yeah. so yeah so first year yeah a lot of, a lot of people said no it was, it was these smaller teams they got a ton of exposure mm-hmm. then they're like uh we're missing out if we're not doing this because this is this is a this is a great yeah. great uh, and it, and platform I, I give box to box that was the the folks who, who right. did it i give them a ton of credit not just in how they do it but um they were they operated with a very I guess efficient camera crew. So if they're in the garage, they were sharp people. They they weren't bumping into things. You know the boom mic wasn't hitting TV screen. Like they they weren't really in the way to where at the I, at the end of Barcelona testing, where you hardly knew that they were there. That's amazing. Yeah. And then I also give them a ton of credit because I can remember, you know, if. If uh, Magnuson was in the car one day, Grosjean was in was not, and so we set up, and I think it was over two hours, where box to box would just sit down these guys in a setup very similar to this, where yeah. they would just ask them very specific questions, like they had done their homework. Yeah. So when you hear all these personalities in F1, you hear this voiceover, and it's all this footage and everything. They got a lot of that at Barcelona testing. Like, why do you race? What makes it? What what made you want to do this? Yeah. They got this. They got Gene. They got Gunther. They got Roman. They got Kevin. They got all these people. Yeah. You know, and we knocked that out at winter testing in, in February, March at Barcelona. And that they had all this stuff. And that made them, because they heard it, Yeah. they were even better as the season went on because they knew these guys' backstory. That's right. Well, that's what Brad's going to be doing in Daytona the weekend mm-hmm. after next. Yeah. So on the Haas team, did they... Did all the participants, drivers, executives, and whoever that was on camera, did, were, did, were they all, did they understand, like, yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to have a smile, or did you did it take any arm twisting? Because I've, I've pitched similar shows in NASCAR, and nobody ever wants to do it. Great question. So you're right. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. On the NASCAR side of things, it's, it's like, you know, it, it's like pulling teeth to even <laughs> set up a, a sort of quasi-competition meeting that the cameras can be in, right. and then you kick them out, and right. then you get down to brass tacks. Yeah. Everything was so new with Haas F1 team. There, there wasn't any. Yeah. There wasn't any baseline set up. There weren't any preconceived notions. It just, yeah. it was what it was. Yeah. So, being new, 
was massively helpful because yep. there there was nothing there was nothing sort of stayed or there were there mm-hmm. were no traditions you could just sort of right. you know what this makes a lot of sense yep. for us especially for where we are on the totem pole yeah why not yeah you know, yeah for and sure. I, the, uh, the other thing that I always ran into on the cup side is that the, all the sponsors and a lot of the drivers are paranoid to say anything bad yes. about the sponsors and in Formula One you have sponsors but kind of yes and no. When Gene is kind of the owner of the team, and if, if it's top-down, if mm-hmm. he's on camera too, I think that makes it a lot more relaxing for everyone else to participate. Um, but I, I noticed that was the biggest stumbling block here in the States for any series that I worked in. It's like they didn't want to do any of that. Yes. And it was awfully painful to go through those conversations, have people wanting to see. And we're not going to totally lift our skirt up and, you know, here's how mm-hmm. the aerodynamic works. Mm-hmm. It's like just take a top level, give me 10 minutes, then you can have your hour. You can go do whatever you want. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – I, I, I'll let Luke keep questioning here, but I, I want to get you, I want to get your thoughts <laughs> on, like, just – um, I mean, people call it behind the scenes content. I call it, you know, the, the Sunday to Friday content mm-hmm. because I think weekend content, there's plenty of places people can go see and grab and whatever they want to see. It's the Monday through Friday stuff that, that still, at least in NASCAR, there's not a ton of it. Right. There used to be a fair amount NASCAR drivers 360, mm-hmm. like 0405, which yep. I thought was a phenomenal show. And now it just doesn't exist anymore. And I would love to hear your belief. I think the drivers today, pound for pound, are probably the best drivers. They have no personality. And I think that's what the, at least on NASCAR, that's what the sport is lacking. And shows like that will help build their character right. and of who they are. What, what, what's your take on that? So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you brought up Formula One because with their setup, with just the economics setup of those teams, they can have sponsors and it's important, but because there's only 10 teams yeah. and the sport is where it is, like you can not necessarily get away with more, but you also just being a team, you get money right off the bat yeah. for, for just being a part of F1. Mm-hmm. Whereas in NASCAR, you are, you have to have partnerships and if you don't have those partnerships Mm -hmm. you are not going racing and sometimes they're a commodity correct yeah so the drivers in f1 i think have a bit more freedom just because of the economic setup of what the teams have Mm -hmm. with with the fia and and fom whereas in nascar people do need to mind their p's and q's a little bit more because if someone if you've got an edgy driver um who is great behind the wheel and is quick with a sound bite, but maybe someone at corporate doesn't like that sound mm-hmm. bite, or maybe there's a customer, a faction of your customer base that didn't like that sound bite, and mm-hmm. they flood the website with calls or or complaints. And this then guy's it, an asshole. And yeah. it becomes, you know, it, it becomes an echo chamber. Yeah. And next thing you know, this isn't good for our brand. Right. And and they they're out. Yeah. You know, and we are beholden to partnerships on the NASCAR side. Really, I think any series outside of, of F one, you are beholden to partnerships. And with NASCAR's popularity, the drivers who are here now recognize that. And to their credit, if I want to get to the top of the NASCAR food chain, the NASCAR Cup series, I better be this. I better just be as best as I can possibly be behind the wheel and as perfect as I can be outside of the car. Mm -hmm. And it worked 
but it has led to those swashbuckling days of the Daryls and the Jimmys and Tim the Dales and the Rickies. <laughs> yeah. They're not there right, right. now. But yeah. I am hopeful that what Netflix did, did does kind of show that because we we do have personalities. Denny yeah. Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, they are personalities. Now, yeah, I agree. they are the older generation, so I am hoping that kind of <laughs> – rubs off on to the the younger yeah. guys who are still working their way up the ladder yeah so yeah. so i wonder if like danny hamlin for for example is getting kind of mouthier because he can now right because he's he's kind of been there done that he's mm-hmm. on the the glide path of his career he's now an owner and he has less to lose by speaking out and and talking smack versus a young guy just coming in yeah. if he had a podcast and started calling everyone out that might not go so well, right? Well, and I think it's also like it, it it's street cred, you know? Yeah. How many Daytona 500 wins does Denny have? Yeah. Like, I've, I've literally lost track of how many cup wins he has. I think yeah. he's, he either has 50 or is getting close to 50. Yeah. Like, he's got an aura. Yeah. You know, got, he's yeah. got street cred. So if you if he wants to say that's wrong, it should be this way. Yeah. He's been there, done that. Yeah, he, he he's got the it. right. Yep. He's got the right to say it. To your point, some like wet behind the ears rookie comes in who's got a late model win at Tri County Speedway. Yeah. They don't. They don't have that. They can take that platform or attempt it. Yeah. It isn't going to go well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He he has he has the success behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. He's a team owner. He brought in the most successful athlete in the world. Right. Who happens to be a multi billionaire. He, he has attention. <laughs> He's got gravitas. He like it, right. and, and I'll see it, it when he sits at the desk in the media center. Same thing with Kyle Busch. You know, the media stop. You know, they might be yeah. pounding away at the keyboard. They, they stop, and they're gonna, they're, they pay attention. Yeah. That can't be said for all the drivers. So yeah. I think if you are an up-and-coming driver, not to say you need to be take on some, like, WWE persona because you've got to be authentic. But you you know you you want to be able to hold a conversation and and you know be be um, emphatic about the things that you believe in to right. you know get people to care yeah. right, and stand out. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads to one of the things I want to talk to you about. So mm-hmm. so one thing that you're you're involved in a lot is is you know coaching these new mm-hmm. drivers once they come in. They might be a really good race car driver. But, you know, to be a professional race car or professional athlete today, the actual conducting the sport is a, is a small percentage mm-hmm. of it. It's everything else. So you take them in. They're a great race car driver. Um, that's all they've focused on is their performance. And all of a sudden, you know, they need to learn to t- speak to people. Mm-hmm. They need to go to sponsorship dinners. They need to do TV commercials. They need to put out their own material. Mm-hmm. So talk us, talk us through that process of how you take – just like a, a good driver that, and, and, and mold them into, you know, as a professional athlete as we know them now. Sure, it, it runs the gamut depending yeah. on, like, where they are as a person when it comes to just their social awareness and their situational awareness. You know, there are some kids who have been to public school all the way through high school, and maybe as their career really started getting underway, they couldn't do – they couldn't fulfill regular high school, so they had to do remote learning maybe after their sophomore or junior year. Those folks are well ahead of the curve. Got it, yeah. The, the folks who tend to need a lot of work um, are the folks who have been racing maybe since they were five and quarter midgets, and they've either done remote learning or homeschooled, and they just unfortunately are 
they're so dedicated to what they're doing and it's made them good enough to perhaps get to the upper echelons of, of motorsport, whether mm-hmm. it's NASCAR, sports car, IndyCar, whatever. But this interaction, they struggle with. Mm-hmm. To where I've had to, we, I've had to say, all right, this is how you shake a hand. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we're going to do at a at a dinner meeting. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're not ordering the spaghetti, even though that's what you like. Figure out something that you can cut with a knife and fork. Doesn't end that's, up on your that's chest. Easy, <laughs> even if you don't like it. Like right. that chicken might be dry as a bone, but that might be the best thing to eat while yep. you're having a, a discussion at, at the dinner table. Yep. Yep. So it it runs everything, and it can even be. You know, I, I tell folks, you wanna you wanna command the room even before you sit down like if this was a press conference or just a media availability Mm -hmm. like they are watching you from the moment you enter the room you open that door what does your face look like what are your what are your mannerisms like are you pissed off that you're here are you happy that you're here are you just trying to get through it and this is like pulling teeth like because there are some media who will empathize with that a little bit there are other who are just that's blood in the water oh yeah. yeah Oh yeah! Oh, that's blood. <laughs> do you ever do you ever show video? Oh yeah, yeah. And but of, but from across across sports, <clears throat> like um, you know, um, who is the Oklahoma State uh, head football coach? I still show his rant. I'm a man. I'm forty. <laughs> Mike Gundy. You know, just he's fifty years old now, yeah. and that still shows up. So I'm just you know, you yeah. have that moment if if you just like lose it, like it lives on yeah. and on. And it could yep. be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. It could, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so. yeah, because we always used to talk like Twitter and even this. This is a microphone to the world. Yes. Could be. And it, it sometimes it's hard for people to realize that. Mm-hmm. And writing uh, an email or a tweet or a social media post when you're pissed and putting it in your drafts, that's a good exercise. Right. <laughs> well, I, I remind folks. They're like, well, this is, I got freedom of speech. I'm like, you do have freedom of speech. That does not mean you're free from consequence. That's right. Yeah, There's that's a right. big difference there. You're like, yep. no, you're not getting thrown in prison for your opinion. Yep. But you, nobody has to employ you if they don't like it. Yeah, yep. exactly. That's and, you know, that that's just what it is. I'm not asking anyone to like it. I'm just saying that is a potential consequence. So let's yep. look at it. And in. And in motorsports, especially domestic motorsports, where we are beholden to partners, you know, they want to sell widgets to everyone. Yeah. So if you're going to pigeonhole yourself into this, you're not as marketable as the next guy yep. or girl who has maybe as good as skills or even better skills than you. Hey, next man up. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, it's the the nascar cup series field you know we can we can have a 40 car field and if we fill it out that is still if you look at all the racing across this country all the short tracks all the grassroots motorsports that is still like a a thimble sized amount of people who get to that level yeah it really is. so you want to do all you can to not get dinged so that yeah. you like ah that's that guy's just going to be running late yeah. models at somewhere speedway you yeah. say i'm not yeah. going to have them do that so uh is your strategy to coach someone up as best as you can and kind of let them uh explore uh, this content distribution world that we live in where it's it's little to no cost it's easy to produce and it's easy to get out or do you kind of wrap your arms around them and say here are the things that i want you to do here are the things i want you not to do or does it depend on the person? I think it really depends on the person. Yep. And, and honestly, the baseline setup is to give them confidence. Yep. Confidence to 
walk into a pit area to where your competitors see you as that that's someone who thinks that they can go win or if a fan comes up to you you're like hey hey yeah i'll sign that Mm -hmm. or because you don't know if that fan is a fan or the ceo of right whatever brand that might want to do something you have no idea so you got to be on so it's just establishing confidence because if you have that confidence to operate in the real world then you have that confidence to to post and then you can i guess with confidence comes some uh some smarts to be like Mm -hmm. that's really funny but let me think yeah. How could someone troll this? Or how could someone right. maybe take this the wrong way? And if there's a sliver of doubt in your mind, you don't post it. Yep. Like you get rid of it. Do you, you know, do you want to be funny or do you want to be employed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so based on that, do you feel that uh, drivers today are, are afraid to post because of repercussions? I and think so. Saying something wrong. And yes. So, it, so the default is to kind of have a lower profile? Yeah, so I, I feel for them when, and actually I saw it, and you guys probably saw it too, and I thought it was a bit unfair with the the championship four guys, particularly in the NASCAR Cup Series. Like, they were like, where's this, you know, I'd wreck your mom for a win, you know, like Tony and Carl Edwards. It was, mm-hmm. it was four very accomplished race car drivers who certainly deserved to be there, but I think they were all on the younger side, and they had grown up knowing that, one wrong move over here outside yeah. of the race car can totally take my career and throw it in the trash. Right. Yeah. They're all good dudes. Mm-hmm. They're all very nice guys. Mm-hmm. They're all very accomplished at what they did do. They all belonged to be there. But I think in this in, in this day and age, yeah, there there is a little bit of a fear to where there are some guys who Netflix wanted on their show that wanted to follow them and they were just like no, I'm not. I'm not having them catching me in an unguarded moment. I yeah. don't, you know, because that's that's the other thing. You, yeah. you had to have the trust in the process and the faith that no one was going to mm-hmm. throw you under the boat because or under the bus because the the thing about the Netflix deal was, and I think it will make for compelling television. Those drivers and teams did not have the right to say you can't run that. I uh, want it out. I was going to no. ask that. They don't. They do not have that. So when you see it, it is authentic. Yeah. So that's that's but a that's big, that's a fear. Yeah, when that, uh, you don't when you have to cede that control, mm-hmm. and it's you are your own brand. You're yeah. as good as you are to get to the next level. That's that's a tough thing to yeah, give that, up. Yeah, that's a big. Um, okay, so let's talk about that. So, so what about like um, did they have to pre-approve any technical? you know, images of cars and, and computer screens or was there any say in any of that? Or it's like you I film think it, so. it's yours. Yeah, I think, you know, behind the scenes, because, you know, if there was something, if there was sim on a computer screen, the crew chief or, or an engineer didn't want that shown, you know, you can say, hey, you, you can't show that, that's fine. I think actually the next gen car has helped us with mm-hmm. this because prior to the next gen car, it was, it was a big gray slate where you yeah. could, you know, crew chiefs could do anything. Yeah, yeah, they could. To where, hey, we, I don't want yeah. you showing under the hood. I don't want you showing that wheel open. I don't, when we take the tire off to make this shock change, I don't want a camera around it because I don't want anybody yeah. seeing what yeah, I've yeah. done in here. Not that it was illegal, it yeah. was just a better mousetrap right. than the yeah, guy we, next door. We had someone come to us, ask about the in-car camera in the car, and asked if it was the 360 that turns mm-hmm. or if it's fixed, because they did not want the one right. 360 that turns. Right. 
Attention Corvette racing fans and lovers of all things motorsport, buckle up for the ride of a lifetime. Introducing the Pratt Miller Motorsports Collective, a groundbreaking fan experience that puts you in the heart of the action like never before. Imagine being so immersed into the team, the lines of fan and team member blur, and your body pulses with adrenaline pumping excitement as the new Corvette racing by Pratt Miller Motorsports team blazes across the racetrack. Now you can turn that feeling into a reality. Join us on a journey where the rubber meets the road in an all-access pass to the world of professional auto racing with the Pratt Miller Motorsports Collective. You don't just watch the race, you live it. Choose from three electrifying packages, each offering an array of exclusive merchandise that will make you the envy of fans everywhere. Don your team colors with pride and showcase your passion for racing with style. But why stop at gear? Get behind the scenes with live streams during every heart-stopping race event and witness strategy unfold as if you're part of the pit crew yourself. And for those who want to indulge in the ultimate racing fantasy, seize the chance to be our VIP guest. Stand alongside legends. Feel the roar of the engines from the best seats in the house, the VIP suite, where you're not just a spectator, but a part of our racing family. The green flag is waving, beckoning you to the front lines of Corvette racing glory. The Pratt Miller Motorsports Collective isn't just a program. It's your entry to a world where speed is king, and every race is an epic tale waiting to be told with you in the center. Race over to www.prattmillermotorsportscollective.com and shift your love of racing into high gear. Don't just dream about racing, live it. The Pratt Miller Motorsports Collective. Unprecedented access, unforgettable experiences, unmatched adrenaline. Visit now. The race for the ultimate fan experience has begun. So with that, with the Netflix show on NASCAR, team owner, driver, or NASCAR, who, who's the most nervous about giving up control and letting these people come in and film and create a narrative? Definitely not NASCAR. Oh, really? <clears throat> because okay. I, uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to NASCAR. NASCAR is the 800-pound gorilla in, in American motorsports, so, yeah. I, so I, I think they sometimes get unnecessarily dinged just yeah. because they're the biggest out there. But I think they're smart enough to know that and we've all seen it with Drive to Survive. Like it's, it has made F1 massively popular. It's yep. it's it isn't the only thing, but it's one of the key things that yeah, has it's made, made it, a big deal. Yeah. So why not try to get that? Golf is doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Why not try to get on board with that? And then you know when you have people saying, "Well, your drivers are boring," why not show off the the personalities of their yep. drivers? Say, "Wait, time out. No, they're not." But yep. you need to see them in this light as opposed to a, yep. you know, a five-second sound bite when they climb out of the car, you know, after, after a race. Mm -hmm. um, I think depending on the driver and depending on the team owner, they were either, oh, man, I don't know about this, or like, yeah, bring it on. Mm -hmm. I think Justin Marks and Trackhouse, yeah, bring it on. We, yeah. we want this. That, that's who they are. Denny Hamlin, we talked about it before. He's got street cred. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah, yeah. If you have other guys who are laser-focused on maybe winning this championship or they got to get this race and they, they literally don't want the distraction mm -hmm. and their team owner does not want the distraction, that is a tougher nut to crack. Yeah. But, uh, you know, brands and partners have seen what drive to survive has done too and they're like for well, sure we want to get on board with that That's so a lot I, of screen time so discussions have to take place like you can't expect perfection if there's cameras following us around all the time yeah you're going to have to take the meat with the fat yeah and so as long as everybody's on board with that you're good mm -hmm. but it, you know i've also lived it where everybody is on board with that and then the finished product hits and they're like oh god well, how did how did you let this happen <laughs> Like what we, yeah, 
it, it was a possibility, but you know, ninety five percent of it was awesome. Right. You just didn't like the five yeah. percent. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So as you're as you're talking, I'm tr- I'm thinking through Drive to Survive. If there were any moments in that that I can recall that were like, oh my god, I can't believe they showed that or they have that, and and I can't think of any. Can I you? think um, in the in the first season, whether Haas did well or did shitty, the phone calls from Gunther yeah. to Gene. That's I don't I'm not sure if you get any more intimate than that. Right. Right. Gunther was yeah. telling it like it was. Yes. He's like we were shit, and he's and he was like I got to fire drivers or whatever he was saying. Like that is a that's a level of intimacy that I've never seen before, at least in motorsports. Yeah, and and I think that's just a testament to the the setup of Haas F1 team. Gene yeah. Haas is a no bullshit guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he races to collect trophies and to beat whoever he can beat. Yeah, and ultimately to sell more machine tools. Yeah, like so he's. And it's Gene, and then it's Gunther. Like there's no, there's no middle management. There's no red tape. Wow. There's no BS. Yep. And it was Gunther's idea, and he took it to Gene, and Gene's like, yeah, let's do that. Yep. So I mean, it's been those two guys from the get go. So that allows for a lot of direct conversations and not a whole lot of BS. And so right. again, we, we talked about it before, like confidence. Like I know what I have, and this is what I can do. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. And, and off they go. And it made for, it still makes for compelling tele- mm-hmm. television. No, it sure does. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I, I don't know if we talked about this, but, you know, well, yeah, we have talked about it. We know, we know of some uh, some friends who purposefully do not watch or follow the F1 season as it unfolds so they can watch it and drive to survive <laughs> instead. That blew my mind. Because it's a better it's a better story and experience uh-huh. than, than, than following it through the calendar year. That's going to be kind of hard to do because, I mean, there's like a year lag yeah. from season to season with turn what actually <laughs> happens. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. But, I mean, it it probably does, it, you know, it's, you know, again, I'm going to date myself, but it's it's probably like watching Dallas back in the 80s. It's it's this scripted television show, but it's it's not scripted. It's real, but yep. it, it feels like what my parents used to watch with was Dallas or Dynasty or something yeah. crazy like yeah. that. No, what what they do do such a good job is is scripting the story and building mm-hmm. the story, um, and when when you have the whole thing played out for the entire year, you can piece it back together and make it very mm-hmm. dr- dramatic and impactful and 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 a big build up. And that that's what was cool about the the, the show to me. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, and obviously you know the character development um, and the behind the scenes stuff for sure. But they just made every story more dramatic, right? Every plot more Mm -hmm. dramatic the way they could build it up. And and yeah, I think you talked about, you know, drivers on the NASCAR side going, whether it was the USA docuseries last year or what Netflix was doing Mm -hmm. this past season, you know, the F1 drivers were saying, you know, that you're taking those, these radio transmissions out of context with the on track action that you're showing or Mm -hmm. this, in garage communication with the team between me and the team principal and and my teammate like that's that's not what happened like yeah. I, I think the McLaren driver said something about that I even think Verstappen said something about that too so yeah. you know I I guess I'm hopeful that that's dialed down a, yeah. to where the context I'm not not that it's dialed down that yeah. the context is right so it doesn't mm-hmm. ruin what yeah. they've created you know yeah. It, yeah we don't put a WWE spin on it yeah, I, f- I forgot what that clause is called, but I, I went down the path of a reality show and kind of how to build that. And mm-hmm. it, th- that's a, that's a, there's a term for it where if I answer you in the affirmative, 
they can take a different question that you asked me and line up that. Yes. And I think I think that's just everyone is needs to stay above board. If they need to fudge something a little bit to keep the story going, mm-hmm. I think that's when they do it. They're just not going to blatantly do it right, right off the bat. But, um, yeah, it's uh, all that stuff is fascinating to me, and I think there needs to be more of it. And I think I still use – so my, my kids are 19 and 21, and I have been in motorsports as long as they've been alive, and they still don't bother me to go to a race. Yeah. And they I use them as my barometer. And I ask them questions. I see what apps they're on. I just – I kind of watch them. And I have been watching them, and I really – that really drove me and it still does to look at what the world is consuming and then people their age are consuming and then how do we take that and morph it into motorsports because I, I think motorsports we all love it for different reasons we all love the different series for different reasons but at the end of the day it's all runs on money and if you don't have money it's all going to die mm-hmm. maybe you won't die but it'll definitely run out of steam mm-hmm. and uh that to me is something i'm very <laughs> um um uh, aware of on a daily basis and uh, I, I have been called cynical in the past but uh, it comes from love because mm-hmm. I we all make a living off of this sport or sports motorsports and we want to see it flourish so that's um, that's something that is really top of mind with me as yeah. we as all this stuff kind of unfolds <clears throat> all right I'll get off my box no, no I just, like I, I want car culture to be cool because yeah. it's like it's it's sort of like yeah, you want you want young kids to embrace racing, but I think we even got to take a step further back. You want young kids to like have to get their driver's license again. Yeah. Have yeah. to have it. Got to yeah. have that car. Yeah. Cuz then if they like that, then they probably like the racing. And statistics show it's <coughs> it's not the opposite, but it's kids are getting their license when they're 17, 18, 19 right. years old. You know, they either have full-time Uber cards or their parents drive them or a combination of both. And it's just not that important as it used to be when we were, you know, teenagers. So that is another thing that is, is I I always watch that like a hawk to see, like, what does this car car culture look like? Uh, You know, and then it's, you know, uh, NASCAR traveling quite a bit. You get to see different pockets of the country and see how people behave around automobiles, which is great. That stuff doesn't show up on a spreadsheet. But um, I think just keeping finger on the pulse and then the way Haas is set up where there's no bullshit at the top, there's yeah. two people, uh, that's that's the best way to operate and mm-hmm. be quick. Because yeah. if you come up with an idea and you think it's going to work, do it. Yep. Just do it, you know. Yeah, it served them well. Yep. Well, and we've, you know, back to the car culture comment, I mean, we've really had a lot of fun this year getting to know the, yep. the Corvette racing community, um, the Corvette Museum, the, the car clubs, and, man, that's a passionate a bunch of people and and they are car culture first racing second in in a lot of ways um which has been a lot of fun to kind of mix the two and 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 see how that is but yeah you definitely don't see that in the younger generations like like um like you do anymore yeah corvette fans are on average um a little on the older side, but they probably look like me because by the time you have the discretionary income to get one, exactly, <laughs> you yeah, got to exactly put some years in. Yeah. But, but they are super passionate about their cars, um, and, and and a lot of fun to hang out with. Yeah, so. it's you know it's a it's a true stereotype. Not all of them, but most of them. You know, they they dreamt about uh, a Corvette when they were a kid. They couldn't afford it, and they worked their way up the corporate ladder, or however they made their money, and they're at a point now where they. 
they have disposable income mm-hmm. and they want to get the car that they fantasized about. So that's that's what it is. Yep. Yeah. And um, you know, uh, you know, from an age wise, they may not be super sexy to a, a corporate sponsor. But everything else, they're very attractive. They got money to burn. Yeah, that literally. <laughs> I have when when people start knocking motorsports and particularly NASCAR about their their demographic, yeah. and I'm just like, time out, like lean into that. Have Have you watched NBC Nightly News? Like, what what is being sold? It's pharmaceuticals and it's cars. Yeah, like they have disposable income and they like what yeah. we're doing mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you just say give up on getting right. the next generation fan but yeah, yeah. don't just be like ah, that's all like yeah. embrace them yeah. and i think they figure that out because we moved you know the southern 500 to fontana like yeah. we've yeah. we've righted those ships but you know lean into that demo and, like, and become a fan of and it doesn't yeah. need to be going after old people or young people yeah. the answer is everybody yes and that's right. why you segment your audience and you build a campaign per each audience mm-hmm. and go after it yeah uh, I, I i talked with someone from uh, feld entertainment uh, a while ago and they were hyper concerned about how many 12 year olds were in the stands male or female it didn't matter 12 to 13 years, their data show that that was the magic age, that if you can hook them and get them to an event at 12 years old, the cycle is going to continue. They're going to get older. Mm -hmm. They're going to have kids. They're going to take their kids. And it just starts this loop cycle that uh, technically happens in every sport. It's just how efficient you are of keeping that cycle tight and not having it because you know nascar and i think major league baseball's um, baseball i think is coming down a little bit but they are the two sports in america that have the oldest demographic oldest fan base and i think golf is up there too Mm -hmm. but um i applaud golf i'm not a fan of golf i applaud golf they're doing a lot of really creative fun things baseball i am not a baseball guy but ever since they did the um Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. and then uh, I watched the the playoffs this year, and I don't watch baseball at all. And it's like, huh, this is shot different. It's they they're getting better shots of the players, the analytics they they lay over it, um, building the characters. It's like, huh, I'm they kinda, got more efficient too, yeah, like the pitch clock. Games. Yes, yeah. I think that, that was, was huge. Key. That was huge. You know, I, I think that's one of the other things that made that has made F one successful here domestically. It's it's two hours. Yeah, maybe less. Yeah, yeah. hello IndyCar. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you can also argue that, you know, the, the race on every every weekend at the same time yeah. is kind of a nice thing, right? Mm-hmm. And Sunday morning for races, actually, I would prefer that better than Sunday afternoon, right? You, you wake up, you get your coffee, you watch the race for mm-hmm. an hour and a half, and then you go do your day, right. right? It's not like in the middle of the afternoon where, you know, if you got stuff going on, you got to mm-hmm. worry about it. So I don't know. I kind of like that time. Um, and, and back to the demographic thing. So an older demographic doesn't, doesn't mean they're, they're going to die and go away. Right. That, that demographic also is going to cycle. So, mm-hmm. so this whole Corvette, you know, older demographic, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you know, as, as people move from their 70s, 80s and, and, you know, unfortunately eventually pass, there's a whole other group behind them of 70, 80s coming in also. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're all going to die off and you're not going to have any fans it's it's still it's still there that block yeah. is still there and we next year are racing the z06 and imsa and that is by design a mm-hmm. z06 brings in a younger demographic to the corvette family it's 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 not 10 years younger but it's it's several years younger than what their average is so that's another reason that that the z06s will be on track well next and year. that older demographic there's some of your best evangelists yeah 
because they 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 have they have life experiences, yep. but then they can appreciate everything. Yep. They, they know the different generations. They've got some stories to tell yep. that are new and interesting for someone in their honestly forties, thirties, and twenties. Yeah, and they've got time and they've got money. So <clears throat> why would why would you poo poo any of that? Right. Right. And they're not even yep. on the payroll, and, right. and they can be some of your best spokespeople. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> we have we have some incredible advocates yeah. in the Corvette community that that. No, uh, we consult with a lot. Honestly, yeah, mm-hmm. you really yeah, they're wonderful people. Yeah, it's ju- it's just the easiest way to get real feedback without any horseshit with it. Yeah, it's yeah. just awesome. It's really cool. All right, well, good deal. So 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 moving on, we were talking about the younger drivers, mm-hmm. um, the lack of experience. Um, you had uh, an incredible experience earlier this year where you got to work with Jensen Button. Yeah. So Jensen Button came uh, came to the United States to race. Was it three races? Yes. So Chicago. Start off at Coda, and then uh, Chicago, and then what was the last one? Was so it Roval? Roval, I think so, yes. Okay. So so here you have, we were talking about younger drivers, no experience. Oh, Indy, I'm sorry. It was, oh, it was Indy. Indy, that's Not, right. He didn't run any of the playoff races. It was Indy. That's right. Um, younger drivers, no experience, just un, unseasoned. Um, and then you had the pleasure of coming in, uh, Jensen Button, world champion, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, in just a very short period of time, like minutes, you, you like, yep, he, he's a world champion. <laughs> I get it. And I guess what I was, so, there were, Jensen's an impressive person. What I was so impressed with that the same amount of time that he's putting into, you know, you know how sometimes if, if you're talking to it, or I, I've experienced it, where you're talking to a driver like before, say, a press event, or we got to shoot this commercial, and it, you, you, I, I think you might be in a Charlie Brown like holiday movie where you're the parent, it's just wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's like it's going in one ear out the other. Jensen, he's locked in. You're like, hey, man, this is what we're going to do. You know, we, we're going to talk to this person. And he's like, okay, yep, yep, yep. And then then he's, hey, and we're going to get all this done before, you know, we – we get you in the car, you, you get the seat fitting. And then like, once he's in that car doing the seat fitting, like technical, 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 locked in huh. on his interior guy and everything that they need to make that car right yeah. to where, and it, you know, and, and having my experience with Haas F1 team and how, how involved those debriefs are mm-hmm. that they have, you know, on race weekends. And he took that to, I saw it in full display driving that that 15 car for for rick ware racing mm-hmm. and i was like all right this is like if i could bottle that up and and make that bring in a human mm-hmm. for a case study yeah. for any driver yeah. it would be jensen button yeah. because it, he wasn't he was so honed in on what he needed to do for his own race craft and to make his car better but he was also just so honed in like media would stop and him just be like <laughs> yeah. like they were, he, he just encapsulated. Keep talking. He, oh man, he he owned the room. Yeah, you talk yeah. about owning the room. He owned and he was the room. Very honest. I do remember after he got out of the car in Coda, he looked like he was going to pass out. Yeah, and he said, "I could not believe the heat." Mm-hmm. And that's something that even you know, there's been a couple guys that have passed out, full time NASCAR guys. And they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they catch him passing out, but then they kind of move the camera off. And he was like, I, I think he even said he maybe wanted to stop halfway. There, there was a point where I'm like, yeah, we're, 
I guess we're going to call this a day, <laughs> and I'm going to thankfully the care center's over yeah. here, and, uh, and that's and, a breath of fresh air. It really was, it was. It was. There was no BS. Mm-hmm. Everything was black and white. Um, it was. He was great to work with. We did some really cool stuff. Um, it was. It was a. It was a pleasure, and it's one of those cool. You know, it's. We get to we get to work in a cool industry, but there are some days where it truly feels like work. Oh, yeah. But there are other days where you get to be part of an experience. You're like, man, that was that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> so speaking of experience, mm-hmm. your co-founder and or boss, yeah, now is drag racing. Yes, uh, and you've had experience in drag racing in the past, or is this is a it, little bit? So yeah. back in the day, we handled the U.S. Army sponsorships. Okay. We worked with Tony yep. Schumacher when he drove the top fuel dragster for Don Schumacher Racing. Did that for a number of years. So yep. it, we kind of like knocked yep. knocked the dust off a little bit when. Yep. Tony Stewart Racing broadened from their World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series, uh, yep. you know, plans and, and went straight line racing. And it seems like he is a fish to water with that. He took to it very quickly. I mean, he 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 about won in his debut. Yeah. I mean, he won by I think the margin of like, or lost by like yeah. that. And he has now four top alcohol victories. Yeah. Jeez. Um, How do you do that? I mean, that, I just can't it, believe it. It, it's, it's, it, it, is, it is a crazy discipline. Leah Pruitt said it best. She said, because I, I was asking her about that, and Tony was there. She's like, what you guys do in three hours in a race, we do in three minutes. Yeah. From the moment, like, you, you buckle in. Like, everything is so ritualistic and precise from how you pull the belts to what you do because everything from staging to just what you got to do to you know get the whole shot maintain traction and then once you hit 330 some odd miles an hour stop you know everything you got to do to go into that like it is meticulous it might be one of the most meticulous things that i guess i've seen as just a guy who talks about and writes about how fast race cars go. And I, I saw, I have seen a couple press conferences that he has given uh, kind of boasting about the NHRA as a whole, and mm-hmm. it seems the vibe of the sport fits his personality really well. Yeah, it, it, it's, a little bit, it's, it's a little bit more laid back. Yep. The camaraderie is, is, is a lot bigger, um, yep. a lot more tight-knit, yep. um, maybe a little less, um, um, you know, Throat slashing, you know that I think when yep. you get to the upper echelons of, of certain series, it's it's every man for himself, and and that does not seem to be that way in the NHRA. They still want to win. They when you're on the line, they they yep. definitely want to want to win and beat whoever is next to them. But I think it's it's definitely a, a little bit of a more sense of community. Yeah, that's that sounds like IndyCar. IndyCar is surprisingly like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so as a PR person, now granted. Tony Stewart, his whole career has done dangerous things. <laughs> yeah. um, sprint cars and Indy cars probably mm-hmm. the most dangerous. NASCAR is not safe, but mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's at least you have a cage around you. When he is drag racing, and I could argue that's pro- that's probably the most dangerous of what could happen. As a PR person, how does that make you feel? Are you more on edge every time a race weekend pops up, or you know what I'm not? Just because I feel like it, it could be. You know the the cup guys at the Coliseum for the Bushlight Clash, um, or Daytona and Talladega, where we definitely have yeah. our antenna up. But yeah. bad things can happen anywhere. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Nadeau's career ended at Richmond. Yeah. Um, 
you know, road courses my antennas up because every corner, that means there's – once you get past four corners, that's X amount of more walls you can hit. Yeah. So it, I think anything can happen anywhere. So I'm just – it could be when Donnie Schatz is running some World of Outlaw race somewhere, you know, my phone – if my phone rings after 10 p.m., it ain't somebody say, "Hey man, I won the A May." Right. It, something bad has happened. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm kind of in tune for it. I don't really have different levels because racing is inherently dangerous. And credit to the entire industry, they they've yep. they've done so much to make it as safe as we all know how to make it. I think the only yep. silver lining in a bad accident is that you you learn from it to Definitely. make a car or a oh, wall yeah. or whatever better for the next time. But yep. that's really all you can do. Yep. So it, if there are cars going around a racetrack or hurtling down a quarter mile or a thousand feet foot straight away, I'm, I'm kind of – I know – this is more information, but, like, I still have an old-school calendar. I already got the 2024 one. So anywhere where we have clients racing. So I know I've, – I've written it down in pencil, like Trans Am's here, NASCAR's here, mm-hmm. Truck Series, IndyCar. And it's the act of doing it. To yep. where it's it's up here, so I'm like, all right, yeah, we got this. You know, the boys have a birthday party, but by that time, so and so is on track. I just right. I need to be ready. My my phone better be in my pocket because you're, yep. you're you, you might have to happening. be on. Yeah, yeah, right. you know, yeah. Not, you know, I've I've been places with Mike's on the weekend during races, <laughs> and yeah, he's always got his finger on the pulse, no matter no matter yeah. where we are, what we're doing, which is cool. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the Tony, the Tony story is interesting doing that well, right out of the gate. Like what amount of testing did he do before his, his first, first race? I mean, was that, was it a lot or just a couple? I think or? a decent amount. I wouldn't yeah. call it a lot, but yeah. he didn't just go cold Turkey. I think he took Frank Hawley's drag racing school at mm-hmm. least twice, if not three times. Okay. Um, I know when at the end of a day, when, once Tony Stewart racing, the drag racing program was up and up and going. Like he, a hand more than a handful of vacations, he jumped in Leah's top fuel mm-hmm. dragster and and did some passes. Um, so he was, he you know he he didn't have a ton of experience, yep. but he 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 had enough to know what to do. And I can remember him being at Frank Holly's drag racing school because so I went down there. We we did some stuff with it, and. Uh, you know, he was it was it was honestly like Jensen Button. Mm-hmm. When Jensen came here to NASCAR, he was locked in, figuring out everything he needed to do. Tony, when he went to Frank Holly School, he was locked in. Yeah. Whatever Frank was telling him, like he was doing everything he could to emulate it to the to right. perfection. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do you think he's going to stick with it? Yeah, I mean, it's you know because y- you look at, I mean, how old is John Force now? Old. I mean, the answer's old. Yeah, the early uh, 70s. drag racing. You know, it, it, if the, if your reaction time, because you don't have to be in a car for. There are no Coca Cola six hundred yeah. <laughs> in the NHRA. Yeah. So if you can, if you can keep those reaction times and make it work, who what, it was a, I forget how long um, some of these guys, uh, the the Greek, um, he, he ran until he was like ninety something. Oh, no way. Caramacias. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, top fuel car. Yes. Yeah. 90s, really? Yes. Uh, I don't know if he was in his 90s, but he was, I think he was in up his there. 80s. Holy yeah. cow. In his equipment, I remember he would always 
drop oil at the start line mm-hmm. a lot. But every once in a while, he'll click off a win. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember John Force sucking oxygen to keep his brain active so his reaction times are, are mm-hmm. dialed in. And, yeah, I uh, I grew up in Southern California. I grew up on drag racing. Mm-hmm. And I and I uh, shout out to Don Perdome. He's the one that says he introduced Tony Stewart and Leah Pruitt together. Yes, that is a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. He, he, awesome. he doesn't just have to say it. That, that is <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. But, yeah, I from an experience standpoint, uh, TV does not do drag racing justice no. at all. No. And you have to be there. Oh, yeah. It's just I agree a, with that. It's a different level of experience. And yep. you can literally feel it through your bones. Mm-hmm. And it is it is super cool. Yeah, so you talked about kids not being really into racing. Like yeah. the Arning brothers have been to, I don't know, maybe one or two NASCAR races, and they're just whatever. They want to go into the holler and go get yeah. a, an, an ice cream or get something. Get some like M&Ms. Yeah. Right. But the two venues where they're like, yeah. Um, not lately, though, because they're, they're getting older they're in high school. they got other pursuits. But Monster Jam drag racing <laughs> that's awesome that's that's not what, not that's shocked what by that fit at all. the bill for them right yeah i totally get it they could watch funny cars and top fuel go down and yep. then when they weren't really into motorcycles but then all right let's just let's walk around the paddock yeah see what we got there's ron caps packing his shoot and ron yep. says hey you want to come in oh yeah yep. here's the car sitting in it like yeah i crazy whenever you'd hear about access and nascar and how great it is i was i would always laugh underneath my breath it's like mm-hmm. they have no idea what access is yeah I mean, it's you can go anywhere you want yeah both and, boys have sat in and tony schumacher's top field dragster ron caps's funny car and uh uh, uh jake coughlin's um uh, pro stock car. pro stock yeah yeah that's that's a that's a good point you know we talk about sports car a lot and and the access you get you know in the paddock there but you're right entry is about the same you can yep. just walk around stand mm-hmm. stand up by the car and if you look cute and you're young you can yep. you can yep. get some crew guy will come over and say hey come on over and if there's mm-hmm. not nothing going on you can do sit in the car or whatever yeah it's awesome yeah and, and as you know i grew up at, as a race fan, so I was always hands on the chain link fence looking through it. The Arning brothers have no idea how good they got. They just like oh, yeah. carte blanche. Hey, yeah. They have no idea. You're right. You're right. Um, I want to know because I, I, we kind of talked a little bit about we have um, I get hit up a lot on LinkedIn with uh, kids that are late high school, early college, and they're always asking, how do I get into motorsports? Um, do you want to give some words of wisdom, at least sure. from the PR standpoint, yes. of, of how to do that, what to look for? Yeah, because trying to candidly trying to find people who want to say, yes, I want to travel 38 weekends a year, <laughs> and I want to do it President's Day weekend, Memorial yeah. Day weekend, Fourth of July weekend, yeah. and Labor Day weekend. Sign yeah. me up. Right. Um, those are harder to come by. Mm-hmm. That being said, I still need competent people. And mm-hmm. it, and right off the bat, it starts with writing. I do not care how much the media landscape changes. I don't care if every single newspaper like goes out of business or at least never prints anything again. The written word is still the written word. You mm-hmm. got to know how to do it, whether it's to write. Maybe you're not going to write a press release, but I need you to write like tee up a video or a cool photo on Instagram or Facebook or whatever the next social media platform is that is creative, makes me stop my zombie scroll, but then is spelled right, Mm -hmm. you know, has proper grammar. Um, Maybe you don't want to do PR. Maybe you want to be in sales. Well, your, your cold call or that email that you're sending, it better it better resonate. It better not have a bunch of spelling errors. It, it, it better make sense. Like your eighth grade 
you know, English teacher, you know, you pay attention to what she's telling you because right. it's important. So know how to write. I will teach people a lot of things, but I have seen some people come out of college and I'm just like, yeah, you can't spell cat if I spotted you the C or the T. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. And then so that's key because if you have that, you can really almost do mm-hmm. anything because yep. you can you can pick up photography. And honestly, you don't need like an awesome camera. You just right. need a good iPhone. Yeah, yep. um, you can pick up the video stuff, and and that's what you got to do now. You got to mm-hmm. kind of be a jack of all trades. But if you can write, that's key. And then I would say, you know, you don't want to start learning where the spotlight's the brightest. You don't want to like talk your way into, and now you're doing PR for Denny Hamlin. Like you will fail, mm-hmm. and the spotlight will be bright, and a guy <laughs> at that level isn't going to have the patience for on the job training. So go to your local short track. I mean. I, I was in New England. I was a gopher for Kenny Bouchard's Bush North team. I did whatever I could on Robbie Bouchard's street stock that he ran at Monadnock. I worked at Ronnie Bouchard's Honda store washing cars. When I went to Lenore Rhine, actually when I was looking at schools, you know, Dad and I would look at schools and we drew the 60 mile radius around Charlotte Motor Speedway. That's how we looked at schools. There you go. So when I looked at Lenore Ryan, I went over to Hickory Motor Speedway. Bob Friedman was the general manager at the time. He was from Springfield, Massachusetts. He said, Mike, you go to Lenore Ryan, I'll hook you up with a race team. I'm like, sold. Mm-hmm. But like before Bob vouched for me at any race team, I had to work the concession stands and then I graduated to like handling a suite and then like all right, sweet's done, people are out, but now it needs to be clean. Like, I can remember chucking, like, nasty bags of garbage into a dumpster at 1 o'clock in the morning after the Saturday night mm-hmm. feature stuff was over. Right like, on. I did all of that. Yeah. And so you and then I, so then he, he vouched for me, and I became a gopher. Back then, the Bush Series came to Hickory twice a year. I was a gopher for Tommy Houston's team. Um, you know, it, it. but if you don't do those sort of, I don't know, grassroots jobs or get people to be like, yeah, that's a hard worker. I'll, I'll vouch for him to get him the next gig right. or just to like understand the environment. Like that was my first time at a Bush series garage in Hickory. Yeah. Right. Like right. the closest it had been to like Riverside Park Speed where the Bush North series is. Mm-hmm. It, it's the same, but it's different. It's a higher, yeah. the TNN's broadcasting it live. Like yeah. you got stuff going on. Yeah. So if you can figure all that out, ideally while you're still in school, like the worst thing that I see, and I've seen some really, really smart people. They've, they've, they've got their undergrad, they got a master's degree, they might have a law degree. Hey, how do I get started? I'm like, you have no practical experience. Yeah. You, you're, you, <laughs> you're a little late to the game. Yeah. Like, you're, yeah. you're smart, I'm not knocking it, but like, why weren't you doing a bunch of internships? Like, come on, like yeah, get. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and honestly, the internships are good because you get practical experience, but then maybe you don't like this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because maybe, like, what day, what time does a job start? Well, the job starts when you need to be there to have your act together to get ready for everything, and the day's over when the job's done. I don't know what time that's going to be. I'm sorry. It could rain, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and it's and I tell people, you know, it's, you know, I say, what what do you want to do when you get home from school or work? Well, I might turn on the TV. I might go to a Hornets game. I'm like, okay. Well, if you work in sports, you're going to have a regular job like from nine to five to get. Do whatever you need to do, sales, media, hospitality, whatever it may be. But then if tip-off is at 7, 
you're still working because you were in the entertainment business. So you got to like, and you're still working up until the last fans out of the building. Yeah. So if that's not for you, then you want to know that early on. Yeah, exactly. So you yeah. want to have these experiences and kind of figure that out before you, I don't know, you don't want to learn that at age 26. Yep, yep. Yeah, the whole the whole intern process. Uh, you're right. It's as much about learning about what you don't want to do mm-hmm. and what you don't like and what you do. Yeah, right? Because yeah. um, you can start yeah crossing things off the list. Yeah, and I, I found out in motorsports, like I think in normal life, there's you know the six degrees of separation. In motorsports, that's two or three degrees. Oh yeah. And I don't care yes. if you're at Hickory Motor Speedway or you're at the front stretch of Le Mans. You're going to bump into someone that knows someone that knows you. You're 100% right. And backwards and forwards. And that is something that, you know, having your personal brand, you don't need to be polished all the time, but you just need to know that that even though you may be talking to one person, you're probably talking to 10 or 12 people at the same time. 100% right. Uh, Because everyone bleeds over from one to the next. They may start, you know, some people work in motorsports but may not like the specific sport they're in, so they they still talk with the other bunch of people, and then that gets cross-pollinated. Um, but yeah, sharing ideas. I think that's the other thing I would, I would throw into to your description is being able to think mm-hmm. and not be afraid to share your ideas because I think, um, you know, formula one does a lot of polished stuff. Uh, there's some teams in NASCAR that do polished stuff. They're all doing the same stuff and no one's really pushing the edge of the envelope when it comes to creativity. And, and this is not, you know, they have been on the track, but I think everything off the track, you need, you really need to take a step back and say, this is not working, or they've been doing this for 100 years. It's not moving the needle. Mm-hmm. Let's stop doing this. Right. And, um, you know, like for me, it's hero cards. Like, no, we don't have hero cards. It can be digital. It can be this. It can be that. Let's do this. Burn the hero cards because it ends up being 40-year-olds with hero cards hunting down the driver's signature at yeah. a gate. <laughs> so. <clears throat> no, but, you're, yeah, it's, it's, Harvick has always said, he said it a lot this past year, evolve or die. That's right. That's you know? right. Yeah. I can remember, you know, doing social media where infographics were like the thing. And I spent all this time on track facts and cool yeah. anecdotes. And then you post it and it, like the engage, the engagement used to be great. Yeah. I don't know. An algorithm changed something. And yeah. that was absolute garbage. I'm like, <laughs> I'm spending a lot of time on something that yeah. is just not resonating yeah time that, that does on. take a lot of time yeah. time to Those move things on. yeah yeah but then you know the, but the whole process okay this worked now it's not working what's the next thing right. that that to me is if you can find someone that's always looking at the next thing and trying it and then having like an educated guess on how it's mm-hmm. going to work those are the people you need right. to grab and never let go. And, and I'm still experimenting. Like the the press material that that we create, depending on what it is, like I'm trying to tee new stuff up. Sometimes sure. yeah. it's a if it's a driver who is up and coming and the he or she is not a well known. I'm I'm writing a feature style press release that honestly, if someone wants to copy and paste and put their name on, sweet. Yeah. Other people, like, they don't, like, with Harvick, they, they know all his accomplishments. Like, I'm trying to tee up cool angles and anecdotes that will ha- give someone a reason to, to make him their, their feature. But they just want the quotes. Yeah. Because, you know, Kevin, he, he's an established guy, but I'm not going to be able to get him for two hours every week to do just a litany of, of interviews. Mm-hmm. I needed to figure out a way to reinvent that wheel. So I'm like, 
all right, I had to think like a journalist, and but then I needed to I needed to package it and send it. So what I was doing in regard to Kevin Harvick was way different than I was what I was doing with Connor Mozak, and then way different than what we're doing with our TA two teams and yeah. Trans Am. Like, and I'm not saying any one of them is like the the deal. Oh, that's what you have to do because that's perfect. I'm kind of experimenting, and I've had mm-hmm. success with all of those in those genres. So I'm like, oh, I'll keep doing it mm-hmm. until it doesn't work anymore, and then yeah. I'll figure something else out. Yep. Yeah. Well, good deal. Well, we've had you here for a while. It's been an hour or so. Yep. Goes fast. It does. It does go fast. It was fun. I yep. learned a lot. So you live close by, so you can always come back for a second. That round. is true. So. <laughs> yep. We got. If we the got, third guest doesn't pan out, I can be the fourth <laughs> <I know>. guest. <laughs> yeah. So we got a we got a poster for for Mike to sign. Right. Get on the yes. wall. Oh yeah. wow. Um, and uh, we appreciate you coming in, spending time with us. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And, yeah, yeah. It really was a lot of fun. I appreciate the invite. This is a cool place, and I, I love what you guys are doing. It's it's Honestly, a lot of the content is behind the scenes. That peek behind the curtain. Let them know right. how right. all this stuff happens. That's right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Mike. All right.